The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. My name is Jack Gordon, and I'm host of Interfaith-ish. On this ongoing series of conversations that I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, I invite you to climb with me as we hear songs and stories from a diverse array of musicians who connect sound and spirit. I was first introduced to singer Audrey Assad through her beautiful arrangements of Christian liturgical music. But despite her deeply religious upbringing, which became the basis for her career as a musician, Audrey has been on an expansive journey exploring the peaks and valleys of spirituality. In our conversation, we talk about confronting doubt, the joys of being bittersweet, and ultimately finding peace with one's personal truth, even if that doesn't mean knowing all the answers. And we discuss the music Audrey has turned to for inspiration in recent years. I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Audrey Assad. I used to run when it might hurt I used to lay there waiting for a savior Pushing it down so I couldn't feel What needed to heal Now I just know better To say yes when I'm at no Normally, when folks reach out to you ab- about interviews, what is it that they're they're trying to get at if it's if they're not talking about your music? Well, in case you weren't aware, there's like this elephant in the room that I get asked to talk about a lot, which is why did you deconstruct your religious beliefs? And in in around that conversation, um, there's a lot of conversation about trauma and about healing work and, you know, therapy and all the different things that I've talked about over the years publicly. And so I find that a lot of times that ends up being the point of the interview is sort of to talk about that, which I also love. Um, But it's nice to talk about music because that's like my first love, you know, it's what I do for a living. So I love it. I love a music interview how inseparable are those things right because right. you know you're an artist so how are you not going to deconstruct right. and like get all up in your feelings about <laughs> right it's so true and and art is catharsis for most people and so um trauma and healing are all wrapped up in that too you know the reason we yeah. often make art is to express our deep feelings about something for people who aren't really familiar with your journey i mean do you can you give me like a little bit of like an encapsulated timeline of you know how it is that you got into creating music and what type of music you were making when you first started and and where are you today with that sure so i've been musical my whole life it's runs in my family and i grew up in a singing family we sang together as an 
entertainment, which I think is really rare. Um, That's but lovely. I grew up in, yeah, it really was. I, I grew up in a Plymouth Brethren household, which is a sort of, well, there's a lot of beautiful things and a lot of hard things I could say about it, but essentially it's a sort of um, high control religious environment. And we didn't believe in having instruments at our services on Sunday mornings. And so we sang acapella and four-part harmony out of hymn books and such. Oh, And okay. so that was kind of where I got my start in singing and learning how to harmonize. And uh, I didn't start writing songs till I was 19. And at that time, the songs that came out were Christian songs for the most part, because that was my whole world. And that was how I prayed, I think. And I had a lot yeah. of spiritual angst and torment in my life, my whole life. And so writing songs was a way to feel something comforting, I think. It was mm. like comforting myself, it was soothing myself, because I was so tormented about my eternal destiny and the eternal destiny of other people and you know what was going to happen in the world. And so I wrote songs about that, and that was how I got going. And I had some friends in um, South Florida, which is where I was living at that time when I was 19, who were in a band called 10th Avenue North, which is no longer currently recording music together, but they took me on the road in a, in a van, you know, going to just college campuses and all the things yeah. they were doing. And so that was how I got started was just with friends on the road in a van. And then I moved to Nashville. That was Christian music also. That was, group? Yeah. 10th okay. Avenue North is a Christian band who signed to a record label in Nashville. And when I, when they moved up here, it was in 2007 or so, I think that they came up and um, they called me one day or the lead singer called me one day rather and said, you know, my, my girlfriend's roommate just moved out all of a sudden and she needs someone to replace her. Have you ever considered coming to Nashville? I really feel like you could do it. I feel like you have what it takes. I have you ever considered it? Like, what do you think? And I'm like standing on the street corner for some reason, reading a book. I don't know. I read books in weird places. <laughs> um, Not the Bible. Reading- yeah, was not it the, the Bible. Bible. No, it was called A Severe Mercy by Sheldon Van Auken. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but he was a friend of C.S. Lewis's who wrote okay. books and letters. And this was a book about his relationship with his wife that is a very intense, feely kind of book. Anyway, so I'm standing on the street corner <laughs> reading this book and he calls me and I answer. Because back then I answered phone calls from people. And <laughs> hey, what's up? You know, he's like, hey, do you want to, what do you think? You want to move up here? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Yep. I want to do that. And I just got my stuff in order and left and went up there. And when I came here, which is where I live now, I've been here for since 2008. Um, mm. I just wrote songs and I recorded an EP. I, I like had a show before I left West Palm Beach and put a guitar case on, on, the, on the stage to collect money. This was like prior to Kickstarter that did not exist. Yeah. And, you know, I raised like $7,000 to make an album for myself. And so I made an EP of five songs. And then uh, within six months, I signed a publishing deal here as a songwriter at a Christian record label and eventually signed a record deal as well. So that was where my career went. Now, all these years later, um, well, I left the the label system and went independent in 2008. 13 hmm. and have been recording and releasing independent music ever since and then and a, lot of, uh, a lot of that was <clears throat> liturgical music right yeah yeah so i kind of moved in a more worship direction after the record label t- uh, experience which is a whole story i'm sure but 
I, um, yeah, I sort of felt like I don't want to write Christian pop music. That's not, I don't like listening to Christian pop music was what I was mm. thinking. Like, I don't listen to that. You know, like I, I really want music that's for worship and prayer or like music that's about life. I don't really like mixing the two things and doing Christian pop just turned out to be a whole minefield for me creatively and spiritually that I didn't really feel I was thriving in. And so I exited the label system to sort of pursue a more specific direction toward liturgical ish. It wasn't like liturgical in the sense that I was writing whole masses or whole services of themes around Easter or Christmas. It wasn't like that, but I just really had in mind prayer. I called it soundtracks for prayer. That was what I really felt like I wanted to do. And so that's what I did. And then in uh, roughly 2016, I started having, I wouldn't say I all of a sudden started having a spiritual crisis. I think it culminated when Mm. I started having panic attacks and I didn't really know why I was having them because it wasn't, I could not tell that it was correlated to anything in particular, except that it would always happen when I went into a church building. And so I'm like, what is going on? Oh, wow. You know? And so I was in therapy at the time and long story short, he says to me, you need to see a trauma therapist. There's something going on that I think you need more help with than I can give Mm. you. And I resisted for like two years and didn't go. That was in 2014 when he told me that. (laughs) And then 2016, it got so bad that I had to cancel a fall full of shows because I was like, I literally cannot go into a church building without being. And that's where you were performing all of all of of my music. So I'm like, what do I do? You know, and I was having this thing. It's so strange. I couldn't even play. Like my fingers would start twitching. And if someone's listening to this, they can't see my my thumbs would just like, I thought I had tremors, you know, I was like, what is, I can't even play the piano. I can't do my job. Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. Um, and so I went to a trauma therapist. I uncovered a lot of pain and, uh, repressed anger and sadness over some experiences that I'd had as a young person in church and as an adult in church as well. Um, and that began a long process of, in some ways long and in some ways not of just everything sort of unraveled for me. I realized that my belief system had been inherited to the point where I had never truly allowed myself to ask myself what I thought or what I wanted. And once I started asking those questions, my beliefs really just did shift. I really had no control over it. It was sort of like, and I tried, trust me, I was so, I was like, I have to hold on. I have to hold on. I have to find a way to hold on. Like, Well, that was your identity, it sounds like. My whole identity, not just because of my job. That's part of it though. But my whole living was based on this whole system and this whole story. And then here I am and I'm like, these beliefs are crumbling. I can't even, I'm trying to hold on to them. I'm reading theology books. I read my way you know, through that whole experience with some very, everything anyone recommended to me that I trusted, mm. you know, I was like, okay, I'll try that. Okay. I'll try that. <laughs> and it wasn't working. I was like, I, I I actually don't feel like I know underneath all these doctrines and underneath all these, you know, beliefs that I was given, what are my fundamental beliefs as a person? What are my principles? Like, what is my philosophy? I actually yeah. have no idea. And so I needed to build that for myself. And I think everyone does. It's such a classic life shift to go through in your late twenties. Like it, you know, I I think it was right on time in some ways and maybe even a little quote unquote late in terms of what's average, but I really needed to go through that. And so once I did, then it was like, what do I do now with my music? What am I, what, what, 
why do I do it? You know, what, who am I as an artist? And the last few releases I've put out have been me exploring that very question. You said you didn't want to have a conversation about trauma. I, that's I feel okay. like I, well, we can I, talk about it, I, but I, I just, backed, yeah. backed you into that. Um, but I, you know, I, it is really interesting to me to to hear from someone who, you know, as you we were just saying, their identity, spiritual identity, but also their musical identity, you know, is so wrapped up in in not even what what may be their actual faith right because because we're all on a journey with these things we're not static this is a dynamic thing our right. our spiritual life you know even if we are in a habit have a certain rituals of prayer or what have you in our in our life like you know you have some days that are good you have some days that are bad and you know and, and it mm-hmm. it changes it fluctuates you know how close or or far if you want to put it on like points on a spectrum or whatever but for someone who it, it it's almost but it's almost like i can imagine as a professional as somebody who's out there as a as a professional christian yeah for lack of a better term you know that yeah. there's a projection that i'm sure people have onto you of like well audrey's going to show up and play this show and it's going to be this like magical you know spiritually enlightening experience but make a lot of assumptions of where you are in your particular life you know in that and and i imagine that the pressure on that can be very consuming it sounds like it it really was yeah i think i really take it seriously that people have a serious and real and deep relationship to my work i don't Mm. i do not take that lightly at all i mean to this day it's sort of amazing to me that well, uh, you know, those songs are snapshots of exactly where I was at the time mm, that I made them. Mm. And I don't regret any of that. And I know that there are still people out there. I know this because I have, you know, the analytics to show it, that there are people out there who listen to my music all the time. In, and, and they underscore moments of their, their lives with my work because it takes them somewhere deep or somewhere comforting or whatever it is. 
And I really take that seriously. Like it matters to me. And I don't, I'm not a flippant person. Anyone who knows me knows, like I am very, very silly. I am very, very silly. I can be very (laughs) flippant. So let me take that back. I am like, I think that's actually not something most people know about me is like how goofy of a person I am Uh in general, in my daily life. Like I love, I love to sort of not take things too seriously, I think. Um, however, I'm also a very earnest person. And when it comes to this, I am not flipping mm. at all. Like I, nothing about it, nothing about the fact that people are confused and frustrated or hurt or whatever by my shift is easy for me, but it is also an incredible opportunity for me, who is a chronic ple- people pleasing type of personality, maybe to really let go of other people's viewpoint on what I should do or should think, or, you know, I, I really have had to let that go. And I think it's actually healthy, but it does matter a lot. You know, I sort of, um, I don't like shocking or hurting people just to do that. You know, (laughs) like I wouldn't. So yeah, it's an interesting, but there's interesting type of pressure. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like being a pastor. I would imagine I'm not a pastor and I never have been, but I think, I can also imagine pastors probably struggle if they're going through something really deep in this way with how do I show up authentically for my community and, and be real while not letting them know every whim that's going through my head and freaking people out. Cause I always yeah. thought like, I'll, I'll find a way to stay Christian. I'm going to figure it out. That's what I thought. And I wanted to try and it didn't end up working out that way, at least for now. And so I was like, well, shoot, like if I could just be a liberal Christian, then none of this really matters. Like there are a lot of people who will disagree with me, but I'm still in the fold. So it's all good. We're going to figure this out, you know? And I'm like, I, that's not what happened. That is not what happened. And people are so not So at this point, you don't, it. you don't claim that label. You don't, you don't have no, that I mean, identity for yourself. No, I'm a Christian. I have a Christian history and I have a Christian baptism and I have a lot of, I still have a lot of connection to Christianity as a person because how could I not? Mm-hmm. I'm sort of Christ haunted. Like I heard um, Walker Percy describe wow. Flannery O'Connor's work, I think as being in the Christ haunted South. I think that's right. I might be butchering that, but I, I can't really escape the shadow of my upbringing and the things mm-hmm. I believed in. There are certainly things I've taken with me, but my beliefs and my view, I don't even know my beliefs. They're really, hard to nail down, but my, my viewpoint has expanded to include so much else that I don't think I can safely be called a Christian. Really. It's yeah. kind of like, um, I, I might be Christ haunted, but I'm not, I'm not in the institution participating, you know, that's Got not it. something yeah. I'm doing. And so I don't know if you could call me one, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah.
if you look at Spotify, you've got you've got a million monthly listeners mm -hmm. that are that, and you know, I don't know anything about how their how their stuff works, but that that's an impressive number to me, and you know, and so much of it is this catalog of liturgical music that's there. So people are continuing to show up. Mm -hmm. And and connect with the music that you've created in the past, and yet it sounds like. Well, I guess I'll I'll ask it as a question. What's your what is your connection with it today? Yeah. Do you do you feel called to to continue to sing those songs? Do you do you um, are you only interested in saying, as you said, that's a moment in time. This is the music that I'm creating now, and that's what I want to be focused on. It's a great question, and one that I have been busily employing myself to answer for myself for the last couple of years. Like, what is, what am I doing now? <laughs> what am I doing and why? And um, for the most part, I don't sing those songs because actually it's interesting. Like the part of my catalog that is the most healthily streamed mm. are the hymns that I recorded that I right. didn't write. I arranged to produce those, co-produce those with someone who um, is an incredible uh, artist and music musician called canon blue but i so the music holds my imprint and my thumbprint and the singing of course does however i didn't write those songs and so those songs are the ones that people have really held on to the most which is very interesting because they're not even songs i wrote um, right right <laughs> but i recorded that album when i was in the middle of the spiritual crisis i was right mm. in the middle of it happening it was right before I went to trauma therapy and right as I sort of, I, it was that whole moment. And it took me uh, way longer and more money to record that album because I could not physically sing the words. I was having like anxiety through the roof about singing words that I didn't know for sure what I thought about anymore. Mm. But oh. what I think is amazing about it and sort of alchemy feeling is that that very feeling is communicated. I think the depth of feeling is communicated through the music that we use to underscore those songs. Because if you've ever listened to it and it's okay, if you haven't, like there's a lot you can hear in the tracks um, on especially a few of them. And I think people respond to that depth that there was something really going on for me recording those songs. Yeah. It wasn't just like, Oh, I'm just going to like shut out a record of hymns because that's what people like. No, not at all. I, I, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I did it because I couldn't write a worship song to save my life at that time. I was like, I don't know what I mm. think. I can't I don't believe. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to re return to the songs that meant something to me as a child, you know, that meant something to me that I could hold on to them like an anchor. I'm thinking like, God, keep me with you. Like, this is me trying to hold on. And then I'm trying to record it. And I'm like, I can't even sing. I'm going to vocal sessions and just choking. Like, I can't even do it, you know? And so... There was a lot of angst in that production, but it's been the most successful thing I've ever done. And I think people respond to the songs themselves, but also the feeling that underlies them. And so there's nothing about that I regret. I'm so happy that people still connect to that. The most I hear, the thing I hear the most, I think, from people about that album is that they play it for um, births, deaths, and putting mm. their children to sleep. And I feel like that's an honor I will never deserve. And I, I do take it so seriously. So all this to say, I don't sing those songs anymore, but, and I'm, I'm, I'm expanding out into other universes of music and trying new things and building new projects, which I can't really talk about at the moment, but like, 
that what I made will always be sacred to me because I know it's sacred to other people. My relationship to it is good, but I don't, I don't sing those songs now. There's a couple yeah. that have made it through from my albums that I still will occasionally do, but generally speaking, no, I don't, I don't feel I can stand up on a stage and just perform religious belief. It's not, it's yeah. not my personality. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I will, I will count myself as one of those people and I'm not a Christian. I've, I've never been a Christian. I don't come really? from that. I didn't know that about you. Um, but, but I am a, I'm a curious person <laughs> and, um, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm someone who, for whom, you know, I, Christianity was, was a big chip on my shoulder uh about it from what i had you know just made a lot of assumptions about the phoniness of of the community and 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 the traditions and and um you know everything else the the uh empire and the racism and the yeah. anti-semitism and everything um but music has always been my way through you know the the times that i've connected most directly with a a pure you know earnest authentic um christian spirituality has been through music so i understand that and i count you know your music as one of those people that that have helped me along in that in in that process because i i was so immediately attracted to the beauty of the arrangements that you made and even though it doesn't come from my tradition, it was something that I responded to on a spiritual level. And wow. so I'm grateful for that. That's really yeah. awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like uh, all along the way, as my artist career has unfolded, I've heard from people here and there. I'll get these emails from someone who's like, I'm an atheist, but something in your music just really speaks to me. And when I was younger, I would think that's God calling you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like I think the music might have just been really spiritual and good. I'm just really I mean, good. <laughs> well, I don't even mean that, but yeah, <laughs> you know, no, more like I think people feel the connection you feel to your work. Yeah. That's yeah, That's they it. feel something yeah. connecting in them to them or to their you know their source or their worldview, their purpose, their meaning in life, and um, I think that's all music really is, is is you know bringing us into that place of connection to something yeah. beyond ourselves and so i think uh i'm grateful to know that it was that way for you too that's awesome yeah you are a a hollow reed a pure channel <laughs> oh my <laughs> we're taking that one with me um thanks yeah that's cool i've been coming out of hiding for a minute now
So let's, you know, you wanted to have a, a conversation about music. <laughs> let's finally get to that, you know, a half an hour in here. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, let's talk about all, all this exciting new music that you've been putting out into the world and, and some of the inspiration behind it. Um, you, I mean, it's, it seems like you've been, you've been releasing a lot of uh, new music this year. Tell me about your song. How about you? So in the process of me going like, what am I doing now and why? And what's my artist career going to look like? I sat in my office one day and I have these like neon lights on the wall. So I'm sitting in this neon glow and I'm just like, I, what would I say to people if I could sit down with the people who are feeling confused about what's happened or maybe have questions about why I've changed so much and what's going on and what would I say to them? You know, if I could sit down across the table, like, what would I say? And that was what birthed this song. And I wrote the idea, like a couple of verses and put this kind of, um, for lack of, it's not polyrhythmic exactly, but there's this kind of um, unusual kick pattern to it. And I just put a vocal over it and little chords and whatever. And I was like, okay, I, I, that's cool. I like this, you know? And it says at the beginning, I've been coming out of hiding for a minute now. I know that I've been changing. How about you? And my partner slash creative partner in crime, um, his name is Jeremy Clive. And we've been all the newer stuff I've been putting out, stuff that we've done together. Mm. And and he really heard something in the song idea and was like, I really feel like we should work on that. I think we should finish that. And um, so we did. And it's kind of this like ecstatic, but yet soaky pop thing. It's not an up-tempo big number in that sense, but it is so thrilling. I just, it takes me on such journey through um, the feelings that like underscore this whole conversation for me, which is that here we all are like on this planet, maybe an anomaly, really mathematically, I, I think probably an anomaly, but also there might be infinite universes where there's another similar type of thing going on. I have no idea, but here we are on earth, you know, the only people we know, and we're all trying to just get through life in a way that helps us feel like we've done it well, or we're happy or we're safe. I mean, there's a lot of people struggling for their primal needs still, you know, like there's a right. lot that life throws our way and we all deal with it the way we deal with it. And I think I have so much room for people to believe so many different things in their efforts to understand and get through life. I really do. And um, so this song is kind of like an expression of that. And I think the music reflects that it's very dynamic and sort of like psychedelic in a way. Mm dreamy and 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 deep and thrilling and i i put it out as a second new single um towards my album which comes out in 2024 and um it just felt like a nice reintroduction i think a lot of what you've talked about has been this personal journey that you've been on are there proactive things that you're also also involved with that are are helping to expand that sort of idea of of how you see the world and and our place in it? Mm, you know, I can't quit spirituality. It's like I've tried. <laughs> I was I was a nihilist for about a year. In like, I mean, I say I was a nihilist. I didn't 
fully adopt nihilism, but I, or nihilism as the real ones say, but I, I really did allow myself to go to like, what if love's not real? What if nothing means anything? What if my Mm. connection to my children is just neurons firing? And what if there's no uh, real free will that I have? Like, what if I, I really needed to ask those questions? And that was in roughly... I guess 2017, 2018, that I was kind of starting to ask that sort sort of thing. And it's interesting. I woke up one day, like a year into that, and I was like, I don't think I want to live like that. I don't think I like how it makes me feel. I don't think right. I'll ever be able to prove it. Even if I wanted to, like, I don't think I could prove that nothing means anything. So why would I spend my life trying to prove that when I could just try to enjoy what's happening here or or, or fully experience what's happening, you know? And um in that. I have read a lot and, and, and sort of, I love to read. So I read my way through all of this, you know, I'm reading all kinds of books. Apparently while you're standing up even. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I've always been a reader and I think it's such a ticket to this expansion you're talking about because there are millions, I mean, millions and billions of books written by different people with different viewpoints. And I find that kaleidoscope, that panoply or whatever you call it, is like, it's indicative of life itself to me because are you into math? <laughs> are you into I, math I'm not math? very good at it, but I'm go not for either, it. but <laughs> I'm not either, but it's fresh on my mind it. because yeah. I watched a video last night, a Ted talk about um, something called aperiodic patterns, which are patterns that do not ever repeat. And there are only a few of them that have been discovered in math, Hmm. like geometric patterns that don't repeat themselves. Okay. And what's crazy about it to me is, and go look this up, whoever's interested in this, but what's crazy about it to me is that when you take those aperiodic patterns, they, they have this, they've also discovered that there's an underlying unity to those patterns, meaning the patterns themselves don't repeat, but there are patterns that are formed by the pattern essentially that are uniform and repetitive. So you can Mm. overlay the pattern that is repetitive, that is basically a shadow of the pattern that's not repetitive. So all this to say, I think it's a good metaphor for how I see things, which is that life itself is aperiodic and chaos. In my opinion, life is a sort of chaos. There's lots of patterns in nature. However, there's so much that we cannot predict or control. And so there's an aperiodic or chaotic feeling to what we're like experiencing here a lot of us try to put a unity on top of that because we're like i need it i need a unity Mm. to underlie i need something that i can know i need something that i can hold on to in this we're hurtling through space on this rock i need an anchor i need something to hold on to and so we find those things however we find those things and religion is a huge sort of source of that type of comfort for us I don't think that's all it is, but I, but I do think that's part of it. I think that we build systems to, um, to help us live, like to help us get through the chaos of life. But I think I'm at a place where I'm like, well, just like in nature with this math, with, with, I think math is part of nature. I don't really understand math, but like, um, there's an underlying unity to even the most a repetitive of patterns. 
I don't need to know what that is. I don't need to form beliefs around it. I don't need to go Mm. to an institution to worship it. I don't need that. I actually think that's not my path, but I am in awe of it. I worship that, you know, I worship that mystery of Mm. the underlying unity and the chaos being both present at, at all times in the universe. And so that's my chill way of saying, uh, I, I, I think reading and learning about all of this is what, you know, has helped me expand the way I see things. Math seems like, and music seems like the closest things to God I can find in terms of what it contains, both rhythm and pattern and Mm. predictability and mystery and chaos at the same time. I'm sort of like, that's where I want to live, you know, in the, in the both and both. And yeah. you're talking about really has to do with this human experience and i wonder if these themes then connect to your song mortal as well and some of the things that you're thinking of in in that song yeah absolutely this one came out on a 2020 live album that i made during the pandemic i've never released a studio recording of it yet i hope i will one day but i singled it it was a single and it got put on a christian playlist or two and then it got removed because I think they were like, it was just an automatic, oh. it was just an automatic thing because it was like, oh, Audrey Assad. Audrey Assad, the algorithm put it yeah, on. Yeah. And then people were like, wait a second. Cause it says, <laughs> you know, it's all about mortality, feeling what it really means to be a mortal human being. Like, I honestly think a lot of us do not really think about death. Even, even Christians who, at least me, I thought about hell a lot, about the afterlife mm. a lot, but the actual experience of death the the inevitability of it was something i heard preached about but i did not really reckon with emotionally because all i was focused on was the afterlife and once Mm. the afterlife fell apart for me as a as a certainty as a known thing you know i don't know if there is one i'm not saying there's not i just don't think there's any proof that i could ever hold on to that would satisfy me that i just know exactly what's going to happen one moment when i don't know i don't know and that is what's so scary about death is that it's the great unknown, the greatest unknown there is. We don't have memories of not being alive. We don't know what's going to happen to our our souls or our whatever it is that's animating these bodies, you know, that can call itself I and, and have a perspective on what's happening to this body. Whatever that is, we don't really know what's going to happen to that. And mm. I 
I think all of us could benefit from, I know I did, from really thinking about that and really sitting with it and just letting that soak in because what does that feel like to be mortal? And for me, the answer was bittersweet. And that is the, it's the best of both worlds. You can't taste one without the other. You can't, salt makes the sugar pop. You know what I'm saying? It's sort of like a life of just knowing and of just believing and just striving towards the the goal that we've set before, you know, the God has set before us and, and really just, it didn't work for me. I was like, I don't feel like that's reckoning with the reality I'm seeing, which is that I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't really know. And I don't think any of us really knows. And the wisest mystics and spiritual people will tell you that they don't know, you know, mm. they don't really know. They just, we're all theorizing, dude. <laughs> I'm sort of like um, <laughs> hypothesizing, really, not even theorizing. I can't theorize about death either because we've never been there. And right. there's no way to measure it. And so, because um, once you're there, you're not coming back. You know what I'm saying? At least as far as I'm aware. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, all this to say, Mortal is a song about what it feels like to really let that sink in, that I'm going to die, mm. that it's mm. coming for me and everyone I love. And then that really sets off the beauty of life because we can't hold on to it because we know it will be over. I don't think we would enjoy living forever. I don't think so. There would be no reason to enjoy anything, you know? And so um, death is a gift. It it makes this life feel more beautiful and, and more powerful because we're not going to be here forever. This is it, you know? Um, So, yeah. So I put that out and People started going like, whoa, what are you saying? I'm like, well, <laughs> exactly what it says. How how old are your kids? Uh nine and five. How do you talk to them about these things? Do you? Oh yeah, I do. Um well, my approach has varied over the years. There were a couple few years there where I really didn't talk about it much because I was like, I don't know what to say. Because they they go to Catholic school, so they're hearing, you know. Those oh ideas. really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they hear those ideas in there. The system deep already. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> they come home and they're like, you know, X, Y, Z, and I'm like, well, maybe. That's what I was saying. Maybe. And my son's like, what do you mean, maybe? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, you know, <laughs> and I think it's cool to watch because he is reckoning. I feel like I'm at peace with them being in a school like that because I'm just going to be honest with them about what I think. And they're having an early experience of difference that I think is Mm. good. Ultimately. I mean, yeah, it's complicated about uh, them being Catholic school for you, but at the same time, I'm like, well, it's an, we all have to have some kind of order to break down, you know, like it's inevitable. And Audrey, there's there's I, nothing that you've talked about so far that has not been complicated. So that, I, <laughs> this is just totally on brand at this point I that think your kids so. would be in Catholic school. Yeah, I know, right? It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. There's there's like a whole story to that, but I I do talk to them about it, and I just tell them. I ask, I try to ask questions like, well, what do you think about that? What mm-hmm. do you think about that? What does that make mm-hmm. you feel like when you think about right. that idea? Like what, just ex- trying to nourish a conversation that they can start having with themselves for the rest of their lives, because they're going to believe their beliefs will change. They will go through all different kinds of things. And hopefully I can just help them know how to have the conversation. That's kind of my approach, you know?
some of these songs that that inspire you i'm really why don't you you take it from here like i sure. i don't i don't have any sort of specific okay. um familiarity with these particular so, songs well let me start with loose garment so muna is a pop band um an american pop trio they're all lesbians they are they call they they call it coming a gay church when you go to their shows. Okay, okay. so they're very that's part of their whole thing is like uh-huh. this is we're queer we're here we're queer you know and they're like yeah. you can be yourselves you can be your full self in our in our universe everyone is colorful and everyone is themselves and it's so addicting. I mean I've been to I've only seen them once, um, but I thought oh my God, like what a good time because people are showing up to this show. They're dressing up. They're, you know, like it's so fun and it's really energetic and high energy typically. But this one song, Loose Garment is an exception to that. And um, it's about sadness. And Katie Gavin is the primary, she's the lead singer, I think the primary songwriter for the group. And the, she, so the song, okay, has a lyric in the chorus. I remember when I first heard it, I was like, Oh my God. I just, I wish I had written this. You know, those you're like, Oh, if I, if I could have, that's what I yeah. wanted to say for so long, you know, <laughs> but I, yeah. I'm always grateful for that. It's like, right. It's, right. Right. They goodness, got there. there are other musicians that are feeling these things and able to put them into words for us. Cause we, we can't always do that for ourselves. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a song about bittersweetness, I think, which is my favorite thing. And actually, um, my son, the other day, we're sitting in the car, you know, we're like driving along and he goes, mom, I think I know what your favorite feeling is. And I said, oh, really? He's like, yeah, bittersweet. I'm like, <laughs> what an insightful kid. <laughs> he is an insightful kid. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. The moments where we're able to let sadness be like a, a loose garment on our body versus a choker around our throat. Right. Well, then we're able to experience the bittersweetness of the thing we're grieving. Like the, the beauty of the thing that's causing the sadness is why we feel so sad because it was so beautiful or could have been or should have been or whatever, you know, name it. But I just thought it was a really good metaphor for basically letting your emotions come and pass and pass through and be with you for a while. They're visiting, you know, they do come and go, they change, but the more that we keep them rigid and um, repressed, the more that they torment us, you know? And so letting them be flowing is such a, it's a better way to live, at least for me, that's, you know, something I prefer. Yeah, so I loved, yeah. I just loved how she wrote about that. I thought it was well put, you know. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture.
I commit myself to sabotage See, I can get what I want and I make it hard to hold on Convince myself that I'm without a God A spiritual fraud who got lost in her own sad song We were talking out back By the garbage cans About dreams that we had In the five-year plan Missing the mark Laughing in the dark Cause after all No one's in control Go easy kid It's only rock and roll Monica Martin isn't somebody that I think I've ever come across before oh. I'm gonna just take a guess at the title the title of this song go easy kid i mean is this this sounds like something to tell yourself as you've been going through all this existential angst (laughs) oh this song dude i think it's one of the best songs ever written i gotta be real with you which i know is a huge claim but i'm like for me that this song does it all i'm like this Mm. song uh yeah, and her voice and the production, everything about it. I mean, I'm just, I'm enamored of Monica Martin. She's very undersung in certain ways. Like she, in weird ways, she's not. Like James Blake heard this song. Do you know James Blake's music at all? Are you familiar with him? I don't think I am. He's a progressive kind of experimental R&B artist and another of my favorites. Okay. But he's pretty big, you know. I don't know what he has. I think he has like 10, 10 or 15 million monthly listeners on Spotify. You know, he's a bigger okay. artist. And okay. he he heard this song and was like, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard. And he did a version wow. of it with her and they did a duet together. And that's put her on the map for sure, along with some other really cool collaborations. It's like she's every musician's favorite musician kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But like the, yeah. the world doesn't know about her yet. And they should, in my opinion. Huh. So I'm, I'm a big evangelist for Mon- Monica Martin's music. Um, and if anybody who's listening likes this song when they hear it, there's a really amazing podcast called Song Exploder that yeah. takes yeah people through um, how they made the song, what it was about. And the, the Song Exploder um, episode about this one is so, it's just so good and so worth listening to. But But essentially, I don't remember where I was when I heard it, but I remember that I was driving and I had to pull over because I could not handle how much it made me feel <laughs> and safely drive. And... She's basically painting this picture of her like talking to a friend outside by the trash cans about like laughing at the fact that they had a five-year plan once and look like laughing at the, the, the absurdity of how much we think we can control and what we think we can make happen mm. and like life happens. And then we're like, Oh my God, I didn't even know that was coming. I didn't know that would be this way. I've changed. Like all these things happen in our, our plans. You know, what is that um phrase? man plans and God laughs, you know, that right, kind of thing. Right. So that's the kind of vehicle that she's using to tell the story. And then, so, so basically the, the linchpin of the song is go easy kid. It's only rock and roll. She's telling herself like, Oh my God, I'm so angsty and up in my head about all of this, my career and my reputation and all the things I want to do. We're like, Oh my God, it's just rock and roll. Like go, 
take it easy. <laughs> but then she gets to this bridge and it says, cut through the smoke. There's no secret special code, no deeper hidden wisdom. Just accept we'll never know. And I, as you've already heard, that is my that mm. is my viewpoint. That mm. is, and and it was just the way the production of the song sucks out. It's just her voice in a piano at that moment. She's it's like she's delivering the punch, you know, and it delivered to me, dude. I was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh God. Oh my God, you know, just so, so overcome um, as I often am at songs. But yeah, I I love everything about that piece of music. It is so perfect in my opinion. So I'm a big fan and I can't, I'm so glad that people will be hearing it because of your show. That's very exciting for me. <laughs> Typically, I, I, I wrap up these conversations um, asking about the, the inspiration for for the title of the series, Soul Ladder Music. Um, and that the the line that this comes from is, is a line from the writings of the Baha'i Faith that says, God has made music as a ladder for our souls. Oh, cool. I'm that. curious with you. I think I want to go somewhere different with this and, and ask sort of a two-parter and see, like, because you've, you know, you've you've had all this sort of range of 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 experience. How do you think you would encounter that idea of how was music a ladder for your soul, you know, say 10 years ago? Mm. And how is it similar or different for you today? I grew up in a very Quaker-like tradition. So we didn't believe in spiritual gifts the way that charismatic Christians did, speaking in tongues and the gift of the Holy spirit, we were sort of against that. And it was very rigid and bare and like sort of um, harsh mm -hmm. and puritanical, you know? And so these ecstasies that I would fly into with music felt like bad and wrong and scary. Um, now I see those things as maybe they saved my life a few times where I was able to go beyond the angst and torment of my mind, you know, with undiagnosed OCD also going on which I didn't know, of course, so much later, but music gave me a way to get beneath the noise of all that or beyond mm. it in some way or above it, or I don't know how it works, and feel something more, um, there's like a word I'm looking for, to feel something more fundamental than all of that. And it still is that for me now. And I, in fact, now I'm chasing it on purpose. You know, I'm like, I want to, get to a point with this song where I've lost track of time because it's just taking me elsewhere. And that's now that's the goal. When I was young, it was sort of a scary thing, but I, but I also couldn't stop, <laughs> couldn't stop coming back to it. You know, I think it relieved my, it was like a, taking an emotional nap, a, a spiritual nap or something, you know? <laughs> so, and I don't think that's changed. It's just that now, now I'm trying to make that happen versus freaking out about the fact that it's happening you know that's 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 really exciting that's an exciting <sighs> place to be i i hope it feels exciting for you it yeah. sounds like it's a, it's it's a lot more exciting. fun too you know yeah, yeah. good yeah. i I, w I wish more fun for you thank you <laughs> i received that I appreciate it. good audrey this is so great and and not least of which because i you know i have been in awe of your music for for years and so just the idea the opportunity to 
get to sit down and talk with you is is really a treat. So thank you for taking the time. So welcome. I'm honored and uh, it's been very enjoyable talking to someone who is clearly curious about so many things. Um, I love curious people. So yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for making the climb with me this week on Soul Ladder Music. You can learn more about Audrey Assad's music at audreyassad.com. I'll have all the songs from this episode in our show notes. You can find our entire Soul Ladder music series on any and all podcast platforms. And be sure to check out the Soul Ladder music playlist on Spotify for the music from all our shows. Thanks to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music. Keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM Tacoma Radio for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at tacomaradio.org.